Well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad that you're with us here today. If you're a guest with us, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's so good to have you with us. If you are a guest with us, uh, very quickly, I'd love for you to do something for me. Uh, I'd love if you were to grab your cell phone and just simply text the word CONNECT to the number on the screen, 910-424-1298. We're going to send a link to you. Click on that. And that's just a way we're going to just know that you are here. You can just give us your name, a little bit of a contact info, how you would like for us to communicate with you if you'd like that, uh, just so we can... Uh, connect with you, know who you are, how we can minister to you, pray for you, give you any more information about us as a congregation. But if you can just text the word CONNECT to that number, 910-424-1298, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. But we are heading into the holidays, and so I have just a quick handful of holiday announcements for you. Hopefully if you grabbed a bulletin on your way in, inside that bulletin there's a little handout has two things. One, it has a form to fill out where you can order some poinsettias. Uh, We'll decorate the sanctuary here with some poinsettias. If you'd like to order one of those, you can do that. Also, on that sheet of paper, it'll give you a rundown of our calendar here in the holiday season so you know what's happening and how you can be a part and involved. And a couple of things I want to highlight for you. One, December 4th, we're going to be decorating our church here for Christmas. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can text the word decorate to our number, 910-424-1298. Doesn't matter that you've never done it before. Doesn't matter that you're not a member here. Doesn't matter any of that. If you'd like to be a part of it, text decorate to that number. You can come hang out. We'll order some pizza and uh, just have a good time together. That'll be on December 4th. If you're interested, sign up for that. Also, for our ladies, they're having their Christmas uh, uh uh, brunch, December 12th, and you can order tickets right out this door. Uh, you can go out this door, and immediately to your right, there is a table. You can order tickets there. They're $12 a piece. I really encourage you to be a part of that. This is going to be such a wonderful time uh, for you ladies. That's going to be December uh, 12th, and the cost is $15, I'm sorry, and that's going to be right out here where you can buy that. Now, this coming Wednesday, Thanksgiving is Thursday. Wednesday, we'll have no activities here, all right? Uh, No journey groups, no kids ministry, no youth ministry, none of that will be closed down because I know many of us will be traveling for the holidays, and so nothing this Wednesday. But on Thursday is obviously Thanksgiving. We love Thanksgiving in the Lynch family. Uh, We travel, we see family, uh, the three F's of Thanksgiving, family, food, and football, Love it. And we add a fourth for the Lynches, firearms. We always shoot stuff. It's great. It's great. But I want to read a scripture for us to kind of set the stage. It's Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. Psalm 9, 1. Listen to what it says. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. So let's, let's do some practice for Bible study, all right? So let's say you're sitting down with your Bible uh, uh, in your house, and you're reading the Scripture. You read that Scripture. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. As you're reading that, is there anything in that Scripture that jumps out to you? 
Is there anything where you go, ooh, that looks like that's important. I'm going to circle that. Whole heart. You ever give thanks to someone? You ever had someone tell you thank you, but they know they didn't really mean it? Right? Thanks. There's a difference between saying the word and actually meaning it with your whole heart. Psalm 91 says, give thanks to the Lord with your whole heart. Psalm 22 in the King James Version says that God inhabits the praises of his people. This obviously doesn't mean that God isn't here when we don't praise him, but it means that there is something powerful and amazing that happens when God's people lift praises to him. As Psalm 91 says, when we thank him with our whole hearts and recount all of his wonderful deeds. So we're going to stand here in a minute and we're going to sing. And I want to encourage you to sing with your whole heart. And as you sing, recount to God all the wonderful things that he has done. We are in a time of thanksgiving. The whole reason this day was created was for the people of our country to quite literally give thanks to God. So let's lead the way in that. Let's give thanks with our whole hearts. So let's bow our heads just for a moment. Let's get ready for this. Are you ready? Right now. Let's give thanks to God with our whole heart. You can't give thanks to God with a mumbled voice. Not in a whole heart. A whole heart doesn't have a mumbled voice. A whole heart doesn't have crossed arms. A whole heart doesn't have a sourpuss face. A whole heart results in a full, full voice, a smiling face, raised hands. So today, Lord, we give thanks to you with a whole heart. We recount all of your wonderful deeds. And we sing now with voices lifted and hands raised and smiling faces because you are amazingly good and you are worthy of all of our thanks. We praise you, Lord, today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's stand. Let's give thanks to the Lord. Amen. He is worthy to be praised. Let's sing together. All of creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. That's a celebration. Call back the sinner, wake up the saint. Let every nation shout of your fame. Jesus is coming soon. Shout it out, church. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you.
it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory as of the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth as we sing this next song let's remind ourselves who it is that we're worshiping this morning and all the gloriousness of god and all that he is
Yeah. 
Amen. 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 Oh, thank you. You know, as we read earlier, I want to read again to us Psalm 9-1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, and I will recount all of His wonderful deeds. We have sat here, or stood here, and we have sang praises to the Lord but I want to take just a minute, and I want, to, I want to encourage us to go even farther with that. I will, I will recount all of us wonderful deeds. I want to encourage you this morning, how are you thankful for, for, for who God is and what he has done? How are you thankful? I want to encourage you, let's, let's proclaim our thanks to the Lord, even right now. The floor is open. What are you thankful for? In Christ. What are you thankful to God for? Let me hear it. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. All I heard was blah, blah, blah. No, one at a time. Let me hear one. Grace. Life. Faithfulness. Purification. His mercy. His forgiveness. Never-ending love. What else? Salvation. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage us. Let's just take just a minute. Let's just bow our heads again. I want us to pray. And, and I take that back. I don't want us to pray. I want us to thank. I want you to take just a minute right now, and I want you to thank God. I will give thanks to the Lord with my heart whole heart, everything that you have in you right now, everything that you can muster up right now. Maybe you're in a spot where you feel like there's not much to be thankful for. I want to encourage you here right now at this moment. Don't focus on the circumstance or the situation or what went wrong or what's currently going bad. Right now, thank God for who He is and the wonderful deeds that He has done. God, I pray for myself. I thank you in me, all that you've done in me. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your patience. You have been un, unwaveringly patient with me as I have fumbled and stumbled and made mistakes and grown. I thank you for your patience. Thank you for your unwavering love. I thank you, Lord, that as, as many times as I've tried to run as far and fast away from you as I can, I can't ever do that. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are too big for me to run away from you. And thank you that you are too gracious and too loving to let me do it. Thank you, Lord pray, God, for us here in this room right now. I ask you, Lord, that thanksgiving will rise, rise up in our hearts. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, don't let thanksgiving be that one day a year, but the attitude in which the believer in Christ just rests and lives. We're just thankful. We're thankful in Christ. Even when the situations aren't good, we're thankful in Him for Him. Lord, let us be a people of just thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Inhabit and dwell 
move powerfully in the praises of your people. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, if you've got a Bible, let's find 2 Peter chapter 1. So we finished up 1 Peter last week, and we're in 2 Peter this week. In 1 Peter, we saw that the Christians in the Roman Empire were experiencing a lot of difficulty, trial, political upheaval, economic upheaval, social upheaval. Things were going very bad, very fast. And throughout 1 Peter, um, uh, the Apostle Peter is encouraging these believers in how they're to live out their faith in the midst of all of this. So then he finishes that and sends that letter off to them. Then sometime later, he writes a second letter to them we know as 2 Peter. Do you know why he wrote 2 Peter? Because things got worse. Honesty time. You ever really prayed for something and trusted God for it and just thing just got worse. If you haven't experienced that, keep living. It will happen. This is what's happening here. What I love about the Bible is the Bible teaches us not just in what it says, but in how it's put together. The fact that he had to come back again and write a second letter is proof that, you know what, sometimes it doesn't get easily fixed the first time. Sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes There needs to be some endurance worked out in us. So he writes 2 Peter to them. And and what we're going to see in the midst of all of this is even if the situation gets worse, in the midst of all of that, God is as great as he ever has been. And his ability to work in you and through you and in the situation and through the situation doesn't falter or change. Even if the circumstances seem, from our perspective, to be worsening. So we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. That's where we're going to dive into today. And, and what we're going to see today is the most important thing about you is what the Bible calls your calling. Now, when the Bible talks about your calling, it's not talking about your profession or your job. The, when it talks about you being called in the New Testament, it's talking about you and your salvation. All right? You coming to faith in Christ. And we see it Twice in this passage, first in verse 3, so if you have a Bible, you can look, in, look at verse 3. He says, his divine, co- his divine power, that's God, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And then in verse 10, it'll say it again, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. What he's saying is this, and this is going to be what we're wanting to really jump after today and get. The most important thing about you, the most important thing about you is that you are confident of the fact that you have believed by faith in Jesus and have been made new by Jesus. And that you are living out that new life empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is the most important thing about you in your life. That you know for a fact you've been made new by Jesus by faith in him. And that you are living out that new life powerfully enabled by the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what 2 Peter one is going to be getting at. The fact that you have been called to something greater I love verse 3, the way it describes it. You've been called to God's own glory and excellence. 
That's an amazing way of describing salvation. Now you are now empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to live out that new life in a profound and amazing way. So here's our big idea for today. All right? Our big idea for the day is a growing relationship with Jesus leads to a powerful and changed life full of spiritual fruit. Therefore, we, as the body of Christ in this room, we must stir one another up to pursue Jesus. A growing, vibrant, real relationship with Jesus is going to lead to a powerfully changed life overflowing with spiritual fruit. Therefore, the most important thing we do in here is stir one another up to chase after that. Because that is the most important thing that you could possibly attain. So, let's take this and let's break it apart a little bit, piece by piece, as we walk through the scriptures and see kind of how this plays out. So, step one is this. It all starts with a growing relationship with Jesus. It all starts with a growing relationship with Jesus. So let's pick it up in verse 1 of 2 Peter chapter 1. Simeon Peter, that same as Simon Peter, that's just the Hebrew way of saying his name, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So first out of the gate, he's talking to Christians, right? So he's talking to believers in Christ. And then here's what it says in verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's, let's Let's unpack that just for a moment, all right? Grace. What is grace? Grace is the undeserved favor and blessing of God, right? It's salvation. It's being filled with His Holy Spirit. It's bearing out fruit for that salvation. It is the undeserved, unmerited. You didn't earn it. You're not worthy of it. But God's grace just gives you His blessing, gives you all that comes with Him. So grace and peace. What is peace? Peace is a state of rest and calm in your heart regardless of what's happening out here. I was talking with my wife Marie about this idea just this week and she had a great definition of peace. She said peace is even when there's a hundred pounds of pressure pushing in from the outside, there's a hundred and one pounds of peace on the inside. It doesn't mean that the pressure outside doesn't exist or it's not pushing in. It very much is. But regardless of how heavy and strong the weight is pushing in on the outside, there's always more peace on the inside. This is provided to you. How? And I love it when it says, may grace and peace be multiplied. He doesn't just want to give it to you. He wants it to be exponential, right? It's growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. So quick pop quiz. How many of us in this room would love to have the supernatural, undeserved, favor of God, and the absolute, total, supernatural rest and peace of your heart, regardless of what's happening around you, how many of us would like to have that multiplied over and over and over and over in our lives? Me. Like, sign me up. I'm in. Well, we're in luck. 
Verse 2 keeps going and tells us how we have that. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That word knowledge is super interesting. Epinosis is the Greek term. Here's what it means. A thorough, intimate knowledge of something. Not just a head knowledge, not just a, a superficial knowledge, an intimate, thorough knowledge of a thing. What he is telling us here is this. The only way grace and peace can be increased and multiplied in your life is through a growing intimate relationship with Jesus. To intimately, perfectly, thoroughly know him and grow even deeper in that thorough knowledge of him. There are a thousand different ways that we go and a thousand different avenues we pursue to try to get grace and peace in our lives, right? Through money, careers, and relationships, and all these sorts of things. And what this is telling us is, at the end of the day, all of them are going to fall short. And the only way you are going to have a real, vibrant, intimate the only way you're going to have grace and peace is to have a real, vibrant, intimate relationship with Jesus. That's it. There is no other way. That's the only way this is accomplished. And the great thing for a believer is you never hit the depths of that. You're always going deeper and deeper and deeper. If you've been a believer in Christ for decades, you know you are continuously growing in your intimacy with Christ. You're continuously going deeper with him. You're continuously finding new heights and greater depths. You're continuously learning what it means to have a real, growing, vibrant, intimate relationship with Jesus. It's you ever been in, you walked in your kitchen in the morning? This happened to me a few weeks ago. You get up, you're rubbing your eyes, you go downstairs, you turn on the coffee. As you turn on the coffee, you look down and go, oh, there's an ant. Oh, there's another ant. Oh, there's another. They're everywhere. Right? The second you start to see them, you realize, oh my goodness, it's not just one, they're everywhere. It's how it is with Christ. The deeper you go with Christ, it's not just, well, I got that level. You would go to that level and realize, oh wait, there's another level. Oh wait, there's another level. Oh, oh wait, there's even more to him. The deeper you go in him, the more you realize there's even more for you to experience. It never ends. It all starts, listen to me, it totally 100% starts with you having a vibrant, real, growing relationship with Jesus. So my question for you is, do you have that? If you say no or I'm not sure that's a struggle, I want to throw something out to you. Here's my email address. Brad.svbc at gmail.com If you would like to know how to experience that and have that on a greater level, email me. We will make sure that happens. We want to make sure that happens. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter you've been doing this thing for decades and you don't want people to think that you need help because you should have it figured out by now. Don't let the enemy throw you off. Or maybe you're brand new. It's like, I don't know any of these people. I don't know if I should do that. Don't let the enemy throw you off. If something stirs up in your heart right now at this moment where you say, I want to experience a greater relationship with Jesus, and I'm not quite sure how to get there, I'd like someone to walk that road with me, send me an email. We want 
to help you. This is what we do. This is the point. It all starts with an intimate relationship with Jesus, and our job here is to help you have that. And perhaps you're here, and the issue is you don't have a growing, vibrant relationship with Jesus because you have no relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you right here this morning, right here, right now. I want to encourage you. Ask Jesus Christ to take away your sin, to make you new, and to empower you to multiply in grace and peace. Ask Jesus right now at this moment to take away your sin and to give you his new life. Right here today, by faith, become a Christian. And if that's your desire, if that's what's stirring up in you, email me. Shoot me a message. Hey, I think that's what I got to do. I don't think I actually know Jesus. Can you help me do that? This is our desire. This everything begins here. So we have to help you do this. And this is our, our heart's desire, is to help you have this intimate walk with Christ. Let us help you do that. And in case you're not convinced yet, Let's go through the rest of the text and let's see what happens as a result of this intimate relationship that we have with Jesus. Pick it up in verse 3. A growing relationship with Jesus leads to a powerful life. What do we mean by that? Verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and that close. I want to stop there. We're going to read that again because you probably missed it. Verse 3 might be one of the most important verses in the entire Bible for your spiritual growth. So don't, don't gloss over it. This might be one of the most important verses you'll read. So read it one more time. His, that's God's, divine power. How great is that? That's pretty great, right? He, he created everything with a spoken word. His divine power has granted, given to you and I, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through this knowledge, same word up in verse 2, this intimate relationship with Jesus. An intimate, vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus delivers for you everything you'll ever need for every situation in all of life to walk through it with godliness, faith, power, hope, and love. His divine power has given you everything you'll ever need for all of life and godliness through an intimate knowledge and growing relationship with him. This is phenomenal. You need something? Jesus says, it's in me. You're lacking something. Jesus says, it's in me. You won't find it anywhere else. You won't get it in self-help. You won't get it through your therapist. It only comes through Jesus. He provides everything you'll ever need for all of life and godliness. And then verse 4. Again, through this knowledge by which he, God, has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world. Because of sinful 
desire. Verse 4 is so neat. Through this intimate knowledge, this growing relationship with Jesus, he's again granted, he's given to us as a gift, his precious and very great promises, so that through them, this is talking about salvation, through that, you can become partakers of the divine nature. Literally, a partaker of the divine nature means through an intimate relationship with Jesus, God literally fills you with his life. Literally fills you up with himself. At the moment of salvation, you are filled up with the Holy Spirit of God. And you get to spend the rest of your life growing in intimacy with Jesus, living out that full life. You become a partaker, a partner, a, 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 a co-worker in this divine nature that's been planted in you by God. You get to experience a powerful, powerful life. And it will only be experienced through a growing, intimate relationship with Jesus. This is everything. Apart from this, everything else falls short. Why do I have no power? Why do I feel powerless? Why do I feel helpless? Why do I feel hopeless? I would submit possibly it's because there's no growing, intimate relationship with Jesus. Through that and through that alone, you are going to be given everything you'll ever need for all of life and godliness, and you will become a partaker in the powerful divine nature of God. But brothers and sisters, are you walking in an ever-increasing intimacy with Jesus. It keeps on going. What else do we get? Verse 5. A growing relationship with Jesus leads to a changed life. A changed life. Look at verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplant your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge. Verse 6. And knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Isn't it so cool when people see that you've grown in your faith? Isn't that the greatest thing? When people look at you and go, man, I've seen such growth in your life. I love, I love hearing people say that to me, and I love noticing that and encouraging others with it. I've seen such growth in you. You have really grown in the Lord. What we see here, especially if you kick it back up to verse 5, a natural byproduct of a growing intimate relationship with Jesus is that you are going to experience an ever-increasingly changed life. So look again at verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. So I love that, right? Make every effort. In other words, spiritual growth doesn't happen accidentally. You don't fall rearing first into it. Right? Uh, a modern-day theologian named Wayne Grudem calls it grace-driven effort. Make every effort. Strive for this. Make every effort to supplant. What does that mean? The word su- or supplement. The word supplement means, um, it, it comes from a Greek term that, that probably refers back. It literally means hand-in-hand. Hand, and it probably refers, refers back to the Grecian dancers. They would dance hand-in-hand. Hand, right? Think Think rockets, okay, right? Hooked up, arm in arm, doing their dancing. That's the way it's describing here. The idea is there is a link in a chain. And as you're growing in Christ, as you're growing in intimacy with Jesus, there are going to be links in the chain growing. In other words, you're not going to stop experiencing spiritual growth. As a pastor, so at the end of this year will mark two years that I've been your pastor. 
I don't know if 2020 counts, but anyway. <laughs> Can I tell you something and be super honest like pastoral confession? I'm getting to the point being here long enough where some of you make me nervous. And I'll tell you why. I haven't seen much growth. Can you be a Christian and in two years' time span not grow anymore? It's like, is that a thing you can do? Because i got to be honest, according to the Bible, it's not. According to the Bible, that's, that's not something that should be happening. If you can go a two-year time span and not say, boy, God has grown me here and he's convicted me of that sin and I'm walking in so much more grace and love. and If you can go two years and not see a trajectory, you're going to need to spend some time with Jesus on that because that's a problem. You should see growth. That's a thing that should happen. That's why it says here, there's something that should always be growing. So supplement, link in a chain. This should lead to this, should lead to this, should lead to this. So what does it say? Verse 5 again. For this very reason, make every effort to what? Supplement your faith. Everything starts with faith. Salvation is by grace through faith. Supplement faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. It gives you here an idea of how the Christian life progresses when i talk about maturing in faith don't look at what could be like just natural adult maturing and go yeah i've grown like like look listen i don't i'm not out till four o'clock in the morning partying and getting drunk like i used to well i hope not you're 37 you have children you should put them in bed and get ready for work tomorrow right don't confuse that with spiritual growth right that's just you being a human adult This gives you a list of actual spiritual growth metrics. So look at what it says. Faith, again, we talked about that. Are you growing in faith? Do you trust God more today than you used to? Are you growing in faith? Virtue. Virtue is this quality of life that is excellent. In other words, you're just, in a a general sense, can you look at your life and go, I'm living in a more excellent Christ life today than I used to. I'm growing just in my overall general excellence in life knowledge are you growing in your understanding of who god is from his word are you growing in god's word are you growing in your knowledge of god self-control literally means to hold oneself in can you be self-controlled can you tell yourself no Can you not say that thing, not think that thing, and not do that thing? Spiritual growth will result in you having greater self-control. Steadfastness. Steadfastness means enduring in what is right and not giving in to temptation. Do you endure through temptation better today than you used to? Are you growing in that? Godliness means being loyal and obedient to God. Do you walk in greater obedience today than you used to. Are you growing in obedience? Brotherly affection means sacrifice for one another in Christ. Do you, are you, have you grown in your sacrifice and humble service to other Christians? And then love, the, the capstone of the Christian faith. Are you growing in love? Love for people, love for God. A true growing relationship with Jesus will result in a changed life. 
Are you experiencing the change? Are you being changed by Jesus? Again, if the answer to that is no, then you're going to want to back up a few steps. And again, go after tackling an intimate, growing relationship with Jesus. That's going to be these, these growing in these things are a byproduct of that intimate walk with Jesus. You grow in intimacy with Jesus, you grow in these spiritual virtues. A growing, intimate relationship with Jesus will lead to a changed life. And that changed life is going to bear fruit. So pick that up in verse 8. A changed life leads to a fruitful life. Or or in a growing relationship with Jesus leads to a fruitful life. Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. All right, let's stop there just for a moment. There is such a thing as an ineffective and unfruitful Christian. Uh, The word ineffective here literally means useless. The word unfruitful means unproductive. There is such a thing as people who name the name of Christ as Christians, but they're totally useless and unproductive for anything spiritual or eternal. And what he's telling you here is, that's not God's call on your life. He has something greater for you. He doesn't want you to be ineffective and unfruitful. The exact opposite is true. He wants you to be effective and fruitful. So, how do we do that? Fruitfulness comes, again, from intimacy with Jesus. You're intimate with Jesus, you bear fruit. Children. Children are the fruitful byproduct of intimacy with a husband and a wife. There's intimacy, bearing the fruit of children. Intimacy with Jesus bears the fruit of spiritual growth. The point isn't for you to focus on bearing the fruit. The point is you focusing on your intimacy with Jesus. And as you do that, the fruit happens. So, what causes us to be unfruitful? Verse 9 tells us. For whoever lacks in these qualities, what? Is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. That is such a vivid picture. You're so nearsighted that you're blind. So what does this mean? So nearsighted means what? You can only see things up close, right? You can't see far, you only see close. The idea is these individuals in life are so nearsighted, you can only see what's directly in front of your face. You can only see what's directly in front of you. Your situation, your circumstance, your problems, your fears, your faults, your failures, your sin, your everything. All you can see is directly in front of you. And as a result of that, you miss Jesus. You focus so much on you and your problems and your circumstances and your situation and your faults and your failures and your successes and where you're right and where you're wrong. You focus so much on that that you're blind to Jesus. How great he is, how glorious he is and what an amazing work he's done in your life forgiving you of your sins and making you new. What's the key? What's the answer? How do you solve this? How do you fix this? 
Verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, you will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 10, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling. What it's saying there is be all the more diligent, all the more serious to what? Confirm your calling, your calling of salvation in Christ. What he's telling you here is this, all the more hard, all the more serious, all the more diligently pursue intimacy with Jesus. If you see that you're ineffective, when you see that you're unfruitful, Run to Jesus. Follow him. Let him then make you effective and fruitful. Go to Jesus. An intimate, growing relationship with Jesus will lead to a fruitful life. And an unfruitful life is the byproduct of no intimacy with Christ. A growing and intimate relationship with Jesus fills you with the power of God. It leads to a changed life, which results in fruit coming into your life. Do you see this evidenced in you? Jesus did not just die on the cross so that you can go to heaven one day. Jesus died on the cross so that he can give us life for you, in order that he may give his life to you so that he can then powerfully live his life out through you. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again so that you can be made new and live out that victorious life right here on earth. This is the most important thing about you, that you know for sure that you've been made new by Jesus and you know for sure that you are genuinely, every day, diligently seeking to live out intimacy with Jesus. This is everything, which leads us to our last point. Therefore, the most important thing we do in this room is stir up one another to pursue Jesus. If that is the only thing that matters and the only thing that changes anything, then that's the only thing that we need to be concerned with, stirring one another up for Jesus. Look at verse 12. Therefore, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. So let's look at that just for a moment. It uses the word remind twice. Once in verse 12 and once in verse 13. But I find it interesting. Verse 12 says, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these things, these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth. He's reminding them of something they already know. What's up with that? Well, I think the important thing is to understand what he means by the word remind. So in the West, when we think remind, what we th- remember, what we think of is you putting to memory facts so that you can then recall them when you need them. My, my fourth grader, we're constantly going over multiplication facts with them, right? Constantly going over that, over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And the point is, we do that so much, we drill that so much, that when he needs it, boom, he knows what it is. That's not the way it's thinking of remind here. 
In the Bible, when it uses the word remind, what it's talking about is not just that you know it in your head, but that you dwell on the truth so deeply that it becomes ingrained in your heart, not just your head. He's telling them, he's reminding them, not just so that they remember the facts of the gospel, but that they dwell on who Jesus is so much that it changes them from the inside out. And if this is Peter's believes his final and ultimate responsibility, how much more for us? Verse 14, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. He's about to die. As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. He's about to die. And the most important thing he can do is keep pointing everyone to Jesus. They already know Jesus, but he's like, no, 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 that's not the point. Like up in verse 9, where it says you're so nearsighted that you have forgotten that you've been forgiven from your sins. It doesn't mean that they forgot. It isn't like they sinned, and Peter walked up to him and said, hey, don't you remember Jesus? And they went, oh, my goodness, I totally forgot the whole Jesus thing. I'm so glad you reminded me. The point isn't that they don't intellectually remember. They don't in their hearts remember, and they haven't been thoroughly changed by him. Which is why the most important thing we do here, again, we use the word nurture a lot. We want to nurture within one another an ever-increasing knowledge and love for Jesus. The most important thing about you is that you know Jesus and intimately pursue Jesus. Is that true of you? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads just for a moment, and our band's going to come up. We're going to end today singing uh, the song, The Heart of Worship. The lyrics say, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. Again, the most important thing about you is that you make sure that you've been made new in Jesus and that you are faithfully, consistently pursuing intimacy with Jesus. So as we sing, I want you to just consider a couple of questions. Number one. Are you truly a Christian? Have you been made new by Jesus? If not, today, right now, call out to him and ask him to make you new, and he will. Or, maybe you are a believer, and the question is, are you consistently, faithfully seeking to grow in that relationship with Jesus? If not, commit today to pursue Jesus with all your heart. Jesus, today we come back to the true heart of worship and everything that we do, which is you. It's all about you. It's always been about you. It's nothing but you. Everything in life starts with us having an intimate, vibrant, growing relationship with you. I pray you'll strip away all the other things that we pursued and chase after that are ultimately meaning nothing. Let us just see you, pursue you, go after you. And as a result of that intimacy growing with you, we're going to experience a powerfully changed life 
overflowing with spiritual fruit. And we're going to spend every moment we can encouraging one another to grow in the exact same way. Do this in us, Jesus, for your glory. This altar is going to be open. You're welcome to come up and pray. If you'd like someone to pray with you, my wife and I are up front. We can pray with you or you can just pray by yourself, whatever you'd like. But take this time, not just to sit, not just to stand, but to ask Jesus to empower you to really grow in greater intimacy with him. Let's stand, guys. Let's let's lift our hearts to the Lord.
and the reminder that we should be found in Christ, in Christ alone. So I pray for my brothers and my sisters who are struggling this moment, this very moment, that you would turn our hearts back to you, Lord, that you would remind us that you are good, you are gracious, you are holy, you are righteous, and you have purchased for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, something greater, something eternal, something that never goes away, and that is salvation through those that believe through Christ. So show us how to live that out in our lives as we edify one another and as we preach the gospel to ourselves. Lord, change us, continue to refine us as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let us walk in faith and not in fear. Yours is the glory and the kingdom. All God's children say amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. song.